This is Counsel for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Counsel for Life. I'm Eliza Huey, and I'm here with my co-host, Beth Broom, and we are going to have an interesting conversation today. Are you ready for this, Beth? I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Yeah, we are talking about what is biblical counseling? That should only take about 15 minutes, don't you think? (laughs) Well, we'll try. We'll do the best we can. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, that is a big subject and worth tackling, but also worth recognizing that there is no way that we can actually tackle it all and give you a succinct answer in just a short podcast. But we're going to try to give you some really good handles and some really good direction on this. And so um, it matters to us because we are both biblical counselors and uh, we hope that it matters to you all because you've tuned into Counsel for Life. And for some reason, whether you're a counselee or you're a, a minister or you're a counselor or whatever has you calling or listening in today, um, it matters to you too. So first of all, we thought, well, goodness, um, biblical counseling, at least from, from our perspective, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this right before we logged on today was just it's a spectrum, right, Beth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spectrum and it's a spectrum. Like so much in life is a spectrum. Even clinical counseling is a spectrum. If you find somebody who is in the clinical counseling world, like they're going to, they're going to have a spectrum on where they fall as far as what they believe about how to approach change or how to think about humanity and so forth. Um, but biblical counseling is definitely that. So you can't necessarily say, um, once you meet somebody who's a biblical counselor, like that's the whole world of biblical counseling is what this person brings to the table. So, and that's part of the reason why there are so many acronyms. We have ABC, ACBC, IBCD, CCEF, and it can just go on and on. There's so many, they call it the alphabet soup of biblical counseling. And that's a pretty good uh, description of it. So we're going to talk a little bit today about that. And we thought just to get started, um, we would just give you a couple definitions. And Bob Kellerman, who's a dear friend of both Beth and I, um, has a website, which we will recommend to you. And his website has a um, blog post on there. His website is RPM and you can Google that just RPM Bob Kellerman and you will find him there. But he has a blog post that says 15 definitions of biblical counseling. (laughs) So that should give you a pretty good clue that clearly we have a variety of ways to describe what uh, biblical counseling is. But Beth, we, we had talked off, offline and we thought, well, let's just read um, the first two that are on that, that um, blog post. And they are ones from John Henderson, who Beth mentioned our last episode. He is a leader in the biblical counseling world. He's written the book Equipped to Counsel, which both Beth and I use to train counselors. So John Henderson and then Bob Kellerman himself. So Beth, why don't you read John Henderson's definition of biblical counseling? And if there's anything you want to add before you read that, feel free, but. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a spectrum. That's a good way to put it. So John Henderson lists the definition of biblical counseling as being the process of providing spiritual, emotional, and behavioral service, comfort, and guidance in love. 
through the truth and power of God's word under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So it, that's a pretty wide, you know, lots of ands, lots of commas in there. And I thought when I read that for the first time years ago, I thought, wow, that's a pretty, that's a pretty wide reaching, large scale kind of definition. And then you come across Bob Kellerman's definition, which is even more in depth yes. than John Henderson's definition, which it includes the same components, but I just want us to read it for the, just even for the understanding that, man, there's a lot, it's hard to put in words in one sentence as we'll see with this definition. It's hard to put in one sentence, what is biblical counseling? And so John Henderson's definition includes spiritual, emotional, behavioral components under the ministry of God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit to provide comfort and direction and wisdom. And all of those things happen in good biblical counseling arenas. And, uh, but Bob Kellerman's definition is even more comprehensive. So what is, what does that one say, Eliza? Oh, sure. I'll read it. Okay. So it says this biblical counseling is Christ-centered church-based comprehensive compassionate and culturally informed one another ministry that depends on the holy spirit to relate god's word to suffering and sin by speaking and living god's truth in love to equip people to love god and one another it cultivates conformity to christ and communion with christ and the body of christ leading to a community of one another disciple makers who I would say it's a mouthful, but way to go, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. But break that down for us, Eliza, when you think about what biblical counseling is meant to be, what are the components that it includes? Because a definition is great so far as it goes, but break that down a little bit and in how we see biblical counseling functioning in the way that it's meant to function. What does that look like? No, that's, that's great. And the thing that I want to say, and I said it at the beginning is that it's a spectrum. And these 15 definitions, which again, you can find at Bob Kellman's website, 15 definitions of biblical counseling, tell us right there that it's a spectrum. So I think if we can embrace that, we're in a much better place to be able to understand why there are 15 definitions and why there are so many acronyms out there for the different training that you can get to become a biblical counselor. So it's a spectrum for sure. And Uh, One of the things that we saw in both of these definitions is it's, it's discipleship really at its core. You are walking with one another, walking with another person, really showing them uh, where to find the the life and the direction that they need from God's word. Uh, But it's also, and we heard this in both of these definitions, it's also community. Like it is, that's where it is a little bit different. And I don't want to jump too far ahead of where we're going today, but it is a little bit different than, um, than secular counseling because secular counseling really does focus on one counselor, one client and like one-on-one, unless you're in a group setting, but even then everybody in, in secular counseling, if you're in a group, um, like a therapy group, you have an an individual counselor. And so it's that it's, it's the difference is that it's very community. Biblical counseling has, has a picture of like, how do we, and we saw that in both of these definitions, how do we bring people into the community that God has given through the church, the body of Christ? Um, 
One other thing that I think is really important as you're understanding, and you're maybe you're new to this and you're just kind of listening in as like, yeah, this is the first I've really heard about biblical counseling. I, I spoke with one gal this week um, on the phone who actually graduated from the same place you graduated and Liberty University. And she was just saying, oh, I just feel like I, I have a big missing component in my training that is really like, how do I bring the gospel in relevant ways to my counselees? Um, and what does that look like? And so biblical counseling really embraces that arc of scripture where it doesn't mean you're going to open your Bible every time and like do a theology lesson. I hope you don't. Um, <laughs> not that those are bad, but that is not necessarily what biblical counseling is. Now, if you're in a Sunday school class or you're, if you're, you're in a, um, a theology class for sure, but it does mean that it's going to be flavored by the arc of scripture. So you're going to have components weaved in of creation, fall and redemption, that, that, that grand narrative of scripture of the gospel should be a part of your care. And it doesn't, like I said, doesn't necessarily mean every session is going to have those three components clearly defined here. We, we touched on each one, check the box. We definitely want to actually avoid having that kind of a wooden approach, but it's going to have that because that's what has informed the counselor as, as you have been trained in biblical counseling, that's what informs your care. So the arc of scripture, but also I would say, Biblical counseling also um, is flavored by the arc of humanity. And this really comes, uh, you and I both train people in the Equipped to Counsel book, um, which is ABC's training for certification and um, for biblical counseling certification. And the arc of humanity there is really the, that we are spiritually embattled. Like we live in a world where there is a spiritual battle going on, but we are also socially embedded. So our society, the, the families that we're born into the, the places where we, we call community or, or our friend circles, they there that's embedded into us and it affects us. Um, but we're also physically embodied. Our body matters. And the way that our body impacts how we go into life actually matters. And so it's going to have the arc of scripture, but it's going to also have the arc of humanity, spiritually embattled, socially embedded, and physically embodied, which ultimately will point to whether Christ is enthroned on our heart or ourselves are the one on the throne of our heart. And so that's just a picture really of what it is along with those definitions. But I'm kind of thinking, Beth, that that's, that's a lot. I'm kind of thinking like, as we share all that, as I shared all that, like, why does that even matter though? And I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to that. Like, why does, why does it even matter? Yeah. Yeah. I think some of my perspective on this comes from being on staff as a minister at a local church. And I get, I get to spend time with people who are all over their own spectrum in terms of their counseling experiences what they have encountered with counselors, what they encounter just culturally in the world around them and the books they're reading, the blogs they're reading, the news outlets, all of it. And so it's part of what I love, you know, in Bob Kellerman's definition about cultural competency, paying attention to the yeah. culture and knowing what's out there. <clears throat> That's a super important part of what we're mm -hmm. doing because we do live in a society that is constantly changing. There's constantly things moving and shifting. And we see that in the world of psychology, right? Like the, the next thing that's coming around the pike, we have no idea what that's going to be. Like what, whatever's going to be on the soapbox of people that are on 
committees and in charge of various things related to diagnosis and research and all of these things, we, we are almost in some ways in the psychology realm at the mercy of whoever's doing the research, whoever's thinking ahead about what, what is human behavior and what are relationships like and what needs to change. Uh, the beauty of biblical counseling is that we are standing on a solid foundation that will not change. It does not change the basic understanding of who God is and what humanity is and how we are made in his image beautifully, fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. That is something that will never change. Mm-hmm. And we get to stand on that foundation as biblical counselors. We also get to stand on the foundation of what is the fall? What went wrong? <laughs> Why is creation suffering in the way that it is? We have that as a foundation that never changes. Whereas you sort of hear this uh, concept in our culture of nature versus nurture and which one is more important. That's a, that's a fight that people are going to keep having if they don't have a foundation of, of scripture to be able to say, no, we are socially embedded. Like we're in a society that matters, but also there is nature, right? We have a a nature that uh, is, is born into sin because we are children of Adam, but also we are made in God's image. And so there's something beautiful. That's even bigger than that, that that's waiting for us in, in humanity. So we have something solid we get to stand on, which is really wonderful. So it matters for, for that reason, of course, that, that Mm -hmm. we are not at the mercy of the shifting tide Mm-hmm. of psychology. And even people in the realm of psychology will say it is a shifting tide. Like it mm-hmm. is going to change over and over and over again. We've seen that over the centuries, right? Mm-hmm. You think about Freud and what was happening in that period versus what's happening now. So much change. Right. And even as science develops uh, and research, being able to see functional MRIs of people who've been traumatized and things like that. Oh, that changes the way we think about the brain. That stuff really matters and we have to pay attention to that. But fundamentally at the, at the core of who we are as believers, the core does not change. Mm -hmm. The foundation under our feet does not shift. And that is huge. We need that. We have to have that. But I do want to speak for just a moment to people who have experienced biblical counseling and it's been quite difficult for them. Or it's been, so I don't want to speak too negatively, but I do just want to speak to those of you I've, I've, I've met and talked with a lot of people who are very reticent to enter biblical counseling. They don't want to do that. They had a bad experience. Yeah. And so what I do think it's important for us to recognize that because it's a spectrum, you could have a bad experience. Mm, And you could have a bad experience in secular counseling too, by the way, (laughs) like this is all across the board. Right. And I almost liken it to like parenting. So, I mean, I love my kids. They love me. Two of them are old enough now that we talk about my parenting in a different way because they're adults. So it's like they, you know, they ask me questions that they wouldn't have asked when they were younger and they want to understand. And honestly, you know, I have a daughter who's 20 and a son who's about to be 18 And they would speak very differently about their experience of me as their mother, right? Like they have, they, they experienced my parenting in different ways, even though I'm the same person. And that can really happen in counseling as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our experience as counselors necessarily, because we are socially embedded and physically embodied, like I, you may experience me as your counselor very differently than somebody else who's also my client. 
Right. And I bring things to the table for you, hopefully very uniquely based on how you're wired and what you need and all of that with the foundation of biblical truth at the bottom. But the way we experience one another is unique. Right. And that's beautiful. That's actually really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we can't put a formula on what is biblical counseling. There's not an A plus B equals C. If there was, we would be doing a disservice to you as the counselee. We, you, I, I think maybe people kind of think they want a formula because they think that would be easier, but then we miss the complexity and the beauty of what it means to be human. And so good biblical counselors will take all of that into account. And when you sit in front of them, they will meet you as a person, not as a problem. Mm, and that's, that's really important. Like we, you are not your problems. And if you sit in front of somebody secular or Christian, who sees you as your problem and that's all they see, go find yeah. a new counselor, <laughs> find someone who sees you, who wants to know you, how you tick, how you're wired, what your gifts are, how you approach the Lord and people. These are very important components to your healing and your growth towards, towards freedom and goodness and transformation. So yeah, counselor, I mean, yeah, I just want to pause for just a second. I know you have more to say on that, but like, wow, that is that's so key that I hope everybody heard that. Like your counselor needs to see you as a person and not your prob, not as your problems. And that's important because I think we've all, it doesn't have to be in the counseling room. We've all experienced that, right? Where somebody kind of just sees you when you're struggling with something or you have, or you're frustrated with something or whatever. They just see you as the as a problem to be fixed rather than a person to be loved and cared for and walked with and understood. And so I think what can, and, and this not by any malicious intent, we'd like to help people get out of their problems. Mm -hmm. But if we only focus on the problems, we become wooden in our care for one another and we become fixated on methodologies or, or um, like, quick fix, maybe scripture. And I, I don't want to go any further in case you're going to talk about this. I don't know, but like kind of scripture pasting and so forth. But I think that was so key. I just wanted to pause and just kind of reflect on that. Like, yeah, I've been there. I've been there where I have felt like a problem to be solved rather than a person to be loved. So I'm so glad you shared that. It was really yeah, good. It's so important. And so regardless, you know, if you're thinking about going to counseling or if you've been to counseling and you've really been hurt by it, that's a real thing. That's a very true experience. Yes. And when I sit with clients, when in my very first session, I always ask, have you been to counseling before? What was that like for you? What did you like? What did you not like? I want to get into with them. Did they experience something that was really painful and wounding in a setting? Because you do end up especially if your counseling experience was brief or you knew it was going to be brief, whether it was, I, I met with my pastor one time, or I, you know, I went to counseling, but it was only for a few times. Often in those settings, I know for me as a counselor, I feel a little bit of pressure. Like I have to give you this gold nugget in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And it's not time for me to really know you. And so brief counseling counseling that's brief or short lived or counseling experiences where you're going to meet with your pastor one or two or three times, it can feel like there wasn't time for me to be known. Mm -hmm. And that's a really difficult thing. So I just want to say that, that, um, 
and I'm not excusing someone's behavior if they've hurt you really badly, but I'm, I just want to say that sometimes as counselors and ministers, we feel this pressure of like, oh, I've got to really make sure you hear the truth or, you know, I really need to make sure that you, you hear this, this passage of scripture from me or whatever, because we might not get to talk again. Yeah. And so that's, that's a hard place to be. But then, you know, you also have biblical counselors that what they know to do is to open God's word and to tell and to talk about your personal sin and the things that you need to do to forsake that personal sin. And I do, and I do not discount that or think it is bad. It is wonderful. It is one component of counseling. It is one aspect of it. And some of us are better at one aspect than at another. What I desire deeply as I train other counselors and for my own life is that we we are developed in not just thinking about personal sin, but also thinking about the effects of sin and the effects of living in a fallen world. And we're able to take all of that into account holistically as we meet with people. That takes a lot of time. It's painstaking. It requires that we as counselors humble ourselves in front of you. And so if you as a counselee or a client have experienced something different from that in the biblical counseling world, what you experienced was not what it was intended to be. Hmm. That's what I want to say. That, wow. and, and there may need to be some healing there. Mm-hmm. And you may be in a position where you say, I never want to meet with a biblical counselor again. Okay. Mm-hmm. But just understand that if you can grab a hold of the idea that it is a spectrum and that people are human and sinners, and you sat in front of a sinner that day when you were wounded and um, the Lord wants to redeem something out of that. So just yeah. take it to heart and talk to somebody about it that you trust. If that's been your experience. No, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. And I think I love what you said. Like it's one component of it. Like we do want you to hear like biblical counseling does need to be about imparting God's wisdom for sure. Um, And it has to be about understanding what it means to love well, to walk well, to be compassionate and empathetic and to listen long. Um, so yeah, those are really good. I hope this has been helpful for people to really understand like what, what is biblical counseling? We can never cover it in this short of a podcast, but I hope you've gotten a better understanding that actually encourages you that there, there are a lot of people in the biblical counseling world who would listen to this and say yes and amen. Um, and that want to be providing that kind of care. And so, look for that. It's out there for sure. If you are looking for biblical counseling, that's really what you want to be able to see in that is that, that, that picture of yes, recognizing that the arc of scripture needs to be there, but so does the arc of humanity and all of those components and to avoid that like cookie cutter approach. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really good. We hope this was helpful for you all today. We are going to talk more about biblical counseling, and we are going to actually get into some subjects that we think are going to be really relevant subjects that, that we get approached with a lot. Um, and that's going to be a lot of these conversations is, is topics that relate to, uh, everyday life to people who are, who are feeling like, Oh, I wish I had some counsel on this area of my life, which is why we call it counsel for life. So, um, before we end though, we always try to have a little moment of our humanity, kind of a welcome to humanity, because we are, this is life, right? Council for life. We are humans living this life. And so we ask each other questions about random things. Um, And sometimes we're prepared and sometimes we're not. So we'll just kind of go with it. But in light of what we talked about today, Beth, I kind of want to ask you a question 
Um, cause we both kind of talked about like just kind of scripture pasting or using a scripture. And that kind of leads us to like thinking about how we can sometimes use scripture out of context. And we've all done it. Unfortunately. Um, I remember sometimes that were actually pretty painful for me where yeah. scripture was used wrongly, but I'm just wondering if there's anything that you can share. It can, whatever it comes to your mind, as far as like, has that ever happened to you? Or maybe have you ever done that? I don't know, whatever you want to share. What welcome to humanity. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this goes. So I was in college before I really read some parts of the old Testament uh-huh. um, because it just was not appealing to me. Right. Like there's certain areas of the old Testament that I just steered away from because I thought this does not seem to be relevant to my life, which is actually not true. Maybe we can talk about that at some point. Yeah. Old Testament scripture uh, is, is relevant in beautiful ways, but when I was in college, my first roommate and I, um, uh, man, I'm going to date myself. Are you ready? We had, um, an answering machine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Bring them back. Answering machine at our house on our landline before there were cell phones. And wait, wait, the landline that had the really long cord that could wrap around the, you know, the hallway. Oh, yeah. And it's because if you have to be able to walk around while you talk on the phone, so <laughs> yeah. you could definitely fall down and injure yourself getting wrapped up in your cord. Um, so yes, no cordless phone for us. And, uh, we, we are, we were both believers and, uh, as college students often are, we tried to, we were trying to be quippy and funny. And so we took a scripture completely out of context from the old Testament and it wasn't even, it was, we were trying to be funny anyway. So what we said on our answering machine was something like, we're not here, please leave a message. We'd like to leave you with an encouraging scripture for the day to help. I don't remember what it's something about like to enliven you spiritually or something. Oh boy. <laughs> and then we said, we chose Deuteronomy 23, 12. Okay. Which is designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. <laughs> God bless you. Have a good day. <laughs> and we were so proud of ourselves, Eliza. We thought Eep. we were so funny. <laughs> That's oh boy. Guys. It really is. <laughs> I think somebody needs to get that on a coffee mug before Beth. <laughs> Listen, if I receive it, I will drink from that mug because it's a funny, wonderful thing. And my sweet college roommate, Marcy, I'll have to send oh, this to goodness. her to still remember it as well. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's life. That's yep. humanity. That's us. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us again on another episode of Council for Life. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.